Hi, welcome back. Welcome to Creating a Village. Whether you're returning or joining us for the very first time, I'm your host, Millie, here to nurture the village within you and help us all thrive on this beautiful journey we call life. Today is a very special day because this is one of the first three episodes of the podcast. Um, we're going to talk on the premise of it takes a village. We want to set the foundation for you and understanding why it's so important to not only partake in your village, but listen to the things happening around you in your village. So let's set the scene, shall we? I would like for my guests, my beautiful, beautiful guests, to please introduce themselves. <laughs> I guess I'll kick us off. So hi, everyone. My name is Crystal Foy, a proud graduate of Howard University, class of 22. And I now work in the financial industry. And I'll kick it over to Malik. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Malik Nixon. Um, I, too, am a proud graduate of Howard University, class of 2020. I'm uh, currently working on, on the West Coast in the tech industry. Having a great time. Very glad to be here. I'm so glad that y'all are here. I love these guys. They're so amazing. Okay. So just to like set off the conversation, um, what is your familiarity with the phrase, it takes a village? Like, have you heard it before? Or is it just something like you came across or resonates with you? No, I think that that's a very common phrase, especially as someone born and raised in the Caribbean. Like that concept has always made sense to me. Um, I think it applies to the fact that, at least from my experience, a lot of households in the Caribbean are more than just nuclear. So it's not just like mom and dad and kids. It's mom and dad grandma, grandpa, cousins, aunts, uncles, and then extended family that isn't even blood relation family, but they're always there, whether they live down the street in another neighborhood, you know, you'll have these aunties that aren't your aunties, your uncles that aren't your uncles, cousins that aren't your cousins, um, but they all contribute in some way to like how you grew up, memories that you have, um, they're there at your games. They're there at your recitals. They're there to, you know, pick you up from school when your parents can't do it. So I think the the idea is very ingrained, at least in in my community when I was growing up, that, you know, it takes a village to raise a child because also in a lot of circumstances, there's a decent amount of not necessarily not, not necessarily single parenting, but more so like the parents aren't married either. So it's like, you know, your mom might be the main parent that you're living with or your dad is the main parent that you're living with. And then they're getting support from these other individuals to help them, you know, raise you. So yeah, I think that's a pretty common phrase that's always kind of made sense, at least to me growing up. <laughs> it's actually, so for, for me, I, I definitely, so definitely a phrase I'm familiar with as well. Um, so, you know, I, I myself am not... I was not born and raised in the islands, but you know my my entire family is Caribbean as well, and so it's it's also really it's also really really cool to see that that you know that that idea has has really always been so ingrained and constant. You know, like for example, I've you know so I was raised by my mom. I mean, you know, it, it's it's usually not in our immediate household. It, it was the two of us, but you know when we still lived on the West Coast, you know there were many times where I would 
you know, I would spend, you know, spend time with my grandma and, and, and knowing that, you know, my uncles were also always around. Like I was, even though my mom has you know, been like the main caretaker, you, you can, you always can see the, the support, you know, it's not just going to be from, you know, from that leader of your family, you get a chance to see it, you know, to see, to see it all the way around 360. Right. So definitely a phrase that I, I've become familiar with. And I think, um, I think that it's, it is, it means a lot, especially like in that immediate household to be able to have others support because I mean, good creating and raising and, and furthering families can be super difficult and, and strenuous. And so it's, I think being able to have others to support and to lean on is, is it means, I think, I think it can really mean the world, honestly. Yeah. No, like growing up, Ooh, my voice cracked. Growing up, I remember like, I would stay over my teacher's houses. I would stay over my aunt's houses, people from the church. Like I was everywhere, but it was also at the same time. Like I just felt like it was so cool to be able to see how, how like different people grew up. Like I remember with one of my teachers, Miss Molly, because I was staying at her house during like the school year, I would go to school early with her. And that's how I learned to like oatmeal, you know, having to put oatmeal in the microwave at school, just learning like different things from different people and different aspects of the people around you. I think that's like very influential and it really can set like a solid foundation for you and like how you live or grow up. Yeah. Oh my God. And, and, and it's, it's so funny too, because even, even you bring, bring it up, really, I feel like so, like, so my, my mom was an educator, right? So, like, a lot, mm. a lot of the time when I was growing up, I would, I would be at school, you know, it's like we would be in the same, in the same, the same buildings a lot of the times. But, like, even to that point, of, of, of being able to spend time with, like, like colleagues, you know, like, I was able to, like, make friends with, like, the other, other teachers' kids, you know, like, spend, like, there was, yeah. even, there was even a point where I went to, oh, this is going to be making myself sound like such a nerd, but, like, <laughs> one of, like, one of the other, one of the other like ladies who, who was who also worked in the building I was, I was super super close with her family and we were all very into harry potter like we're very into like nerd stuff right and so like it was one time where literally i had gone to like a harry potter camp with them because oh like, like we had become like we become that close i feel like like i'm like in, in a, like being able to have a village like where you like sometimes your parents are like you know what i don't really want to go do that but peace, if you have a good time, it's so important. It's so yes. important. Yeah. I think it's also dope the the different parts of your life that they have an impact in, right? So I think it's yeah. funny that my mom was also an educator. And so I call her my nanny, but it really means like godmother. And so my mm. nanny worked at my elementary school as a librarian, like the head librarian. And I remember, you know, when I was feeling down or if I, you know, Sometimes I would get bullied at school. I would literally go to the library and like hide in her office and she would give me snacks and she would talk to me about what was going on. And, you know, like it gave me a safe space away from home at my actual school that I could kind of retreat to when, you know, obviously my parents couldn't always be there. But this person who, you know, was another guardian in my eyes was always accessible to me and was always there you know if I needed some place to go to 
Um, and then also having someone to explain to my mom sometimes, you know, like, why did Crystal get in this incident? Well, they've been harassing her for weeks. Like, this isn't just a sporadic, oh, she got mad this one time situation. She's been complaining about it for weeks to me. Um, so also having that support of, you know, your parents can't be everywhere all the time to understand, you know, why is this thing happening? But having that other person there to kind of vouch for me, like, no, it's not her. These people are harassing her. These people are doing this. And she's been trying to cope here. Um, so I think that's also kind of awesome when it when you have that village, that they're in, you know, different nooks and crannies to be able to be your voice. And you also sometimes need adults to talk to adults because they sometimes don't hear it when it's like kid to adults. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Now, so following up like on that point, though, when is like a time that you felt the support of a community, but then like the other times, like you felt the absence of it, like they weren't there. I think, I think I just spoke to the support. So I'll say for like the absence, I think when I felt it most is like when all my siblings kind of went off to school, like they went off to college or they became adults. Cause like my siblings are like eight, nine years older than me. Uh, or at least my like blood siblings are so having that feeling of like okay I'm the only kid in the house now and like who is my person right um so that kind of felt like an absent of my village kind of shrinking a little bit because I lost you know who I was accustomed to being able to lean into a little bit but then I guess going back to support I was fortunate that I did have cousins that it was like okay I can hang out with my cousins still I think for me, one of one of my favorite experiences growing up, which which, which I definitely most considered to be a huge part of my village, and so so I mentioned a little bit, a little bit earlier that you know my mom my mom raised me, so I'm an only child. And at one point, you know she she my mom was really intentional about also trying to make sure that I was around, you know other like other kids or even even just other like male figures who could have an impact on my life, right? And so you know at one point she signed me up for what was what's considered like the program and from like from that i think i started that program and i was like i think i think i was seven or eight and from that i literally like i ended up having an older brother who, who was essentially one of the you know he ran the organization at that time and and, and one of the other young one of the young boys who was, who was like only a year older than me we ended up like becoming like the three of us like genuine brothers, you know, like the, like to this day where we, I, we we talk and I consider them family because so many of my experiences growing up was spent with them. Like if they were, you know, I would I would go go in and spend weekends. Like I have memories. Like for, so, for example, like like one of my favorite movies of all time. I I, I learned that it was one of, the, one of my favorite movies. Spend time with them. It's like we would go, we would go take weekends. Like we would go get food. We we always have like really important conversations. I mean, obviously, it was like three. It was like three guys, right? So we were able to, like, like for example, we watched we watched the movie Three Hundred. Like, have, have either, either you seen that movie? No. Okay. Uh. So, so three, so Three Hundred is essentially about, about the Spartans. Like, it's it's the, it's the one that movie. Like, we are Sparta. Like that one. That, that's oh, the, I'm Spartacus. Yeah. Uh, oh yes. no, that's. And then the, well, and then the one that where he does like like the kick. Have you seen like I don't know if you've seen that I scene. I think I know what you're talking about. Just continue. Yeah, you like, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So so it was like like that's been one of my I, I have memories of us watching that movie like so often when I was younger. And I mean you know like long story short, but like 
that was one of my earliest feelings of, of, of community, right? Like being able to spend time with people and, you know, call them brothers and family. Like, you know, like my, my like, so like my oldest brother, I mean, I'd spent time with his family. Like, and I've been to, you know, his parents, you know, his, his parents also worked in education. So like, I've been to their schools, you know, been to like, been able to sit in their classes and like be able, you know, it, like that was, that was, I think for me, such a form of experience growing up. Being able to have brothers there because I mean, I, you know, even though I do have brothers that are blood related to me on my dad's side, you know, you don't, you don't really get a chance to spend too much time with them. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was probably like one of the very first instances where like having that village was, was really, really formative and important for me. Cause you know, I was like, and also sometimes it's like just going to give my mom a break. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like, just, like, just, like, just, yes. just let her enjoy her weekend. I just go with the guys, and I was good. No, go out with the guys. That's so cute. <laughs> um, yes, I was trying to think of like a one where I felt community, but right now, maybe after I talk about this, I was thinking of like a time where I felt an absence of community, and it was more like a cumulative amount of experiences. So it was like. I started school in a Montessori school. And so I was there until the second grade. And then I moved to a public school. And then so, you know, schools have zonings, uh, like in the United States, schools have zonings. And usually this elementary school goes funnels to this middle school to that high school. But what happened was, I went to an elementary school, started making friends, and then I ended up going to a charter school that was nowhere near the elementary school I went to. And then at some point I was forced to play basketball. I didn't want to. It was an experience. And then after going to that middle school, I was no longer, well, I made the decision to go to another startup school that was also just going to be brand new with new people because I didn't want to play basketball in high school. So in all those transitions, like, between like eighth grade and ninth grade, I felt like a real absence of community because I was losing friends. I wasn't like, I would have this community for these years, but then it's like, oh, they're going over here to the regular school where they're supposed to. And I'm going here with absolutely new people. And then at this time, like my parents were forcing me to place where I didn't want to. I felt like no one was listening to me. No one could hear me and my concerns and needs in life. And so that time was just a really hard period. Like my first year of um, high school, I would just be in class and I would start crying. I had no idea why. I would just tears. And so I feel like in that moment, I really felt like an absence of community, but it taught me that like life just goes to different transitions and you have to find your place in the different spaces that you go because you're not always going to be able to like bring people with you or like be able to communicate with the people that you used to be able to talk to. So, yes. That's a lesson about community and finding yourself where you go. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, actually, actually I actually had, a, had a, so a really good question. So I'm actually not familiar with Montessori school. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. So Montessori schools are basically like, they're big on kind of like, uh, what is, not experimental, but hands-on learning. So they're big on like you going out and planting plants, you going and examining bugs. We did like a lot of projects and it's like just very open. The class sizes are very small. There were probably like 10 in a whole entire grade. So yeah, like 
they're very, very small. And there's big one, just that hands-on experience and like letting life teach you basically and dealing with things like that. So yeah, I highly recommend it like for your children at a young age. It definitely, I feel like like you be able to give kids that experience. Oh, oh yeah, I feel like that has to be super valuable. Yeah, it's expensive though. That's why I switched. <laughs> so save up for your kids now, you guys. Save up. <laughs> okay. So I guess to this point though, like what are some ways that you all might like actively seek to expand your community? Because like when you go to different places, how do you branch out or do you branch out like when you go to different places or when you come back to where you used to be? So you, you, want, you want to start this one? Uh, you can go ahead. <laughs> so I, I think so the thing that the, the thing that comes to mind for this one is so I so obviously like, so both you know both Crystal and myself have, have you know in these last few years been transitioning into these new spaces right so I know mm-hmm. that for me especially making this move to the west coast that was probably my one of my biggest concerns was you know being able to move somewhere that I even though I do have family in California they're not super close so I, obviously you're starting from the ground up right and so for me, one of the biggest things that I did when I first got here was I tried to be as intentional as I could as it as it as it pertained to like other alum or other alumni from Howard or, or even mm-hmm. just from other HBCUs, right? I feel like, you know, especially when the pandemic was kicking off and people were were be, you know, a lot of people from from the classes of twenty, twenty one and twenty two were beginning to make their moves across the country to start work there were just these pockets of people who wanted to find community that was probably similar to what they had at school, right? And sometimes it's difficult because we leave our HBCUs that are, you know, that are filled with individuals who look like us, but also, you know, have such different backgrounds. And then we come into these, you know, whole different cities and states where that's not really always the case. And so for me, I try to be really intentional about like, even if I knew one or two people that went to Howard, went to another HBCU, I would connect with them and see, you know, like, hey, are there any groups at all like that do something consistently or that, you know, try to meet or try to do X, Y, Z? And I think that was a big part of it. Because I mean, I think by the time that I'd reached my one year being in California, I had been able to start going to events that were like majority, you know, majority other or majority other HBCU graduates or like events that were, you know, that were, that were Afrocentric, that, that were kind of made for us by us type of thing. So I feel like it really just, it really just requires like, sometimes you just have to kind of search and see like, who do I know that's already here? And then maybe roots from there can grow. Yeah, Yeah, no, I think that my approach since graduation has been very different. So like I said, I've kind of switched into this, like, I guess, internal, search uh for in terms of like interacting with my family more prioritizing family more and so for me I think what I'm trying to build right now is my family community for the next generation so like my nieces my nephews my godchildren being the aunt being the godmom that I loved so like trying to 
uh, mm. emulate what my favorite aunt was like and what my favorite godmom was like and creating these spaces for them to know like I'm here even though I'm not physically there I'm always a call away I'm always a text away like if you need something I'll be there if you want me to come you know attend a graduation you just have to say the word and I'll like plug you into the schedule like that's so that true like... yeah that's what I'm trying to make evident and you know my nieces and nephews may be too young right now to kind of process that I'm there for them but I guess at least making it clear to my siblings like that's what I want I want to be that aunt I want to be that god mom that's like super there for them even if I'm not physically there so like if it's I don't know let's say something happens and one of my nieces or nephews gets an opportunity but my brother or sister is like, this isn't in our budget. Like, we can't afford to send them to that program. It's like, okay, let's have a discussion between the two of us because me as their aunt would love to contribute to make sure they get this opportunity. I want to mm-hmm. be that person because I remember having that growing up. I remember mm-hmm. hearing without supposing to hear the conversations of, like, people in my family coming together and being like, nah, Crystal deserves this opportunity. We're going to make it happen. And I want to be able to be that person so I think for me, the the community I've been focused on has been a lot around, like, how do I align myself to be that person? And then also, how do I not become forgotten? Because my nieces and nephews are young. I'm not home. I plan to, mm-hmm. you know, work globally is the goal of, like, leaving the U.S. and working in other countries. So how do I make sure they still know, you know, auntie's all the way over there in Europe or Asia or Africa, but I know she'll hop on a plane if I call her and I need her. So I think that's kind of been my focus. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Chris, you almost made me cry. Girl. <laughs> no. Like, especially in, 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 in being intentional for like for the young for the younger like the younger ones in your family. Like so that, that would they like they can grow up knowing that regardless they don't have someone in their corner, you know, that, that, that they, they can have you to go to if 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 there's an issue or if, if things are great, like if they, if they want to talk to you about what's going on in their lives. I mean, that's, that's, that, that is seriously building up, you know, about like, like the, the generational happiness and the support that that's super important. Yeah. That's, that's very important. I know like for me coming back home. So like after leaving DC, I came back to Atlanta and I wanted to, you know, be outside, be around people. Um, but I like my room. I like my room so much that I stay in it. And like after dang near the whole rest of the year of what, when did we graduate? 2022. Um, I still hadn't really gotten out to meet other people, even though I would always like talk to people about it. Like, I want more friends. They're like, Jada, you have to go to things. You have to go outside (laughs) and meet the people in order to make friends outside of where you already have your friends. And so like I, Kaim had mentioned the Howard Alumni Club here. And I was like, okay, I'll look into it. And then I looked into it and I filled out the little like email address and stuff. And so I went to a meeting, I think April, month before April and like it was great I like met people and then I actually got like an opportunity through there to meet um to work with these people who were doing 
a clothing line. It's called We Are Black Wealth. Black is spelled B-L-K. But just like, because I went outside and like went out of my way to, because I actually have no idea what part of town it was in. It wasn't in Atlanta. I don't know where it was. But like, I went out of my way to go there to meet people. And at least like for me, I felt like that was a big step because they were related to Howard in some way. So we could talk about something. I feel like that's usually my fear when going into new things. But yes, so just being able to like find things that I can do like little by little is how I've been trying to get out into my community. Yeah. Well, Millie, I think that, oh, <laughs> I was just gonna say, I think that something I've learned since I started working, right? Um, and I think even before that, just learning about networking is like, people love mm -hmm. to talk about themselves. So when I don't Thank know what you. to talk about, or if I don't feel like talking about myself, I just make that person the most interesting person of my day. Like I ask them mm -hmm. about their interests, their hobbies, what made you, you know, start doing this? What made you come to this event? How long have you lived here? Like just asking questions and not like, you know, obviously not bombarding them and like interviewing them, but like keeping the conversation flowing. And then also seeing like if they ask the questions back, because I feel like that makes me gauge as well. You know, is this a relationship I want to pursue to see if we can like continue communicating, continue being friends, maybe hitting them up another time to go do something is like if I ask you a question or if I ask you three questions and you don't ask me nothing back. OK, cool. I'm going to learn about this person and I'm fine doing that. But it also shows me like they're not as interested in getting to know me as I may be in getting to know them. Um, which is fine, but I think that, you know, that fear of, like, talking to new people just default to, like, asking them about themselves because then you can gauge kind of how how they're approaching the situation as well and you're learning about them. That's yeah. true. And, and, and I feel like it's one of the things that I always try to remember when it, when it comes to, like, going out, so say if I'm going out by myself to meet people from going to an event, and and majority of people who are there are people I've never met before. I always sort of remember to myself that like if I'm nervous or if I, you know, if, if that fear is ever there, very likely the people there are also in the same camp too, right? So it's it's mm -hmm. very much so that to, to Crystal's point. I mean, it helps so much to be able to ask those questions or or to even if it's just to strike up you know a specific talking point because. I've realized if you can give another person the ability to begin to feel comfortable in meeting you or like in having a conversation, you will also feel that energy. You know, the, the moment I, I just feel like the moment that somebody starts to get going, they start to, in you know, they start to really get into the conversation. By that point, I'm like, okay, you know, and that's now, now we're good. Like now I can, I can, I begin to kind of feel that energy a little bit. So now we can, we can both feel a little bit less nervous. I, I always think that helps a lot. Okay, so it's giving work on my conversational skills and read. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, it, 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 it might help you a little bit. You never, you never know. <laughs> yes. Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Can y'all give me an example of a time? that you wait no I don't want oh well okay I know I know the answer but sorry can y'all give me an example of a time that you all had to like kind of step up 
into like a leadership position or just kind of take charge to maintain a part of your village or like just help someone in your village? And then how did that experience kind of like shape your understanding of like being in a community? Yeah, well, that, that's, that's a really good one. I, I can go first. At Howard, uh, I think my sophomore year, I don't remember exactly what the event is. It was like during freshman week or something. And we were in Crampton and I was leaving and I saw a girl crying on like the bench leaving out of Crampton. And I asked her like, what's wrong? And she was Muslim. She had on her attire. I don't want to say the wrong word. Um, and so she was just confiding in me. She was like, well, I thought the Muslim community here would be so much different. It's a lot different than she expected it to be. And she wasn't sure how she was going to fit into it. And then I was just telling her, well, you know, I, I told her about the Muslim association that we had on campus and that it's just this experiences. There's different things. You'll meet different people, but it's only been like a week. So you still have time to figure out stuff. And then, you know, I made sure she was okay as if she needed anybody. What about my business? Like senior year, um, she ends up seeing me again. She's like, hey, I remember you or whatever. And then she was telling me like, wow, you're the reason I stayed at Howard. And I think like, even though it took two years, but just like moments like those, because just speaking to a stranger and then you don't even know if you're going to see them again. But speaking to a stranger and like pouring into them, making sure they're okay is like something that I feel is very valuable when it comes to like being in a village. Because even if you don't know a person, talking to them is really important. Talking to people in general is really important, even if like sometimes it can take you out of your comfort zone. No, that's definitely true. I think. I think my story is a little different, but it also is at Howard because you made me think about it as you told that story. So I'll give background is when I got to Howard, I remember joining the honors program and kind of having the students who were international um, and specifically from the Caribbean kind of coming up and talking to me. Um, as someone who's from the Caribbean and, and being open to being my mentors, being open to helping me with the culture shock and giving me tips about like different stuff. And so when those individuals graduated and, you know, a new a new class came into the program, I remember taking the initiative to just ask our advisor, like, hey, at the end of class, can I just like meet with all of them kind of in an informal capacity and basically do the same thing of like, hey, I'm here as a resource. I would love to be y'all's mentor. If y'all need anything, I'm here for y'all. And I understand the transition is going to be something different. Um, and I would say like that did give a sense of community. And I think it also left a sense of kind of like a legacy where like it was done for me. I did it after. And then those that I reached out to after me did it for those who came after them as well. And so keeping that sense of community of like, you know, being an international student coming to the U.S. for school is a hard endeavor. And, you know, personally, I'm a U.S. citizen because I'm from a U.S. territory. 
but I'm still coming from the Caribbean to the continental U.S., that transition is something different. And having someone, you know, go out of their way to be like, hey, I want to contribute to your college experience. Like you said, keep some people at Howard, keep some people in school, helps people know like it is doable because look at this person who has similar circumstance. I was able to do it and I'm definitely going to help you be able to do it. Um, But yeah, to all those individuals that I reached out to, they're still my, you know, I still call them my kids. I still check in on them now. They've graduated. So I feel old because now I've graduated. They've graduated. Um, But it's nice to see. And it's also, like you said, Millie, when they kind of come back and say stuff to me, like, you know, I appreciated when you did this or like you inspired me to do this. It's like, wow, those, you know, 20 extra minutes after class that I took to introduce myself and learn about these people had an impact um, that's going to last probably for years to come as we continue to, you know, reach back into the program, help others that come after us, and also the impact that they had while they were there. So, yeah, I definitely think it's important to keep, you know, stepping into that leadership role in your community when you see it. It's funny, too, because mine was was also having to do with Howard, but it it was more so... Like so, when I started, when I was already starting to work, right. And so, you know, my, my experience was closer to when I, I it was around around maybe like the one year mark of me being in my full time, and I I'd, I'd been able to begin working in or is, is it a assignment that I was able to be working in a capacity where it was just I was able to work with Howard again and work with Howard students, get a chance to you know be kind of like the ambassador for my company since I'm sorry, to kind of like make sure that the, the connection was there, right? Like make it like that we were supporting students. And so this experience, I, I can't really go into a lot of it because obviously like it was kind of internal to work, but it was a really, really important situation where, you know, these were, I was able to work with a team of students, you know, it was for, for a competition and being able to be more than just you know, just an ambassador more than mm. just, you know, a mentor for the students in that situation, being able to be a, you know, be a voice for them, to speak for them in, a, in an arena where they might not have as much, you know, as much, as much leverage or as much room, I think made me feel as though, and it, I also want to say it, it certified how important it is to make sure that when we're, when we are like working capacities with, trying to create a space that's better for those who are coming behind us. It shows like you're able to, if you're able to step up in real, and if you're able to step up and, you know, be firm about what, about what these students need or about what they need to be successful. I mean, it, it was, it made me feel as though like that position was somewhere where I needed to be in the moment because I could, I could be able to step aside of just myself. I, I didn't, I wasn't only thinking about, what the experience looked like for me. It was about what it looked like shaping it for, you know, for more Howard, for more Howard students, more of a Howard community. You know, if they want to make this a path they take, they know that their voices will be heard. And, and I feel like it, when it comes to building that village, even if, you know, even if these are students that I'm not going to be working with, you know, for the rest of time, they can at least be left with the idea that there was somebody willing to, go to be to be at bat for me right like to be able to show mm-hmm. to show up for me to still give that support and i mean even even in, in a little pod i think that's still you know the village doesn't always have to be like 
you know, this person is, is stuck here forever and then they're always going to be in their circle. You know, obviously it's just kind of like people are people, you meet people and they're in your life at a certain point for, mm-hmm. for, you know, for, for whatever the reason may be, right? And it always adds something to your life. So I felt like that was an experience where even though it pertained to work, I felt it was, it was super gratifying that I could, I could be more than just a professional in that moment. I could be an alumnus. I could be could be someone's event to i could be you know someone that that, that they that they would be that could, they could be able to speak their minds because so i think that that meant a lot i completely agree that like the village isn't just like where you're stationary yet i feel like villages consist of people that just pass through town like you just happen to pass by somebody and they said i like your hair and then that changes your life and now you want to style your hair this way or can maintain it this way and it it was like a healthy journey. That actually happened to me with my hair. Like this guy, when I was transitioning, my hair just happened to get wet. And he's like, I like your hair curly. And I was like, you're right. And <laughs> I went on a natural hair journey. <laughs> and now I'm so happy about it. But yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, I think it's, it's, it definitely is really important to think about like, because I, I know, I just feel, you know, when we, when, whenever we talk about villages, you know, of, co- of course, at the core of it, we do think of, you know, I, I think we talked about at the very beginning, we think about, you know, our, our you know, blood family, but also those who we call aunties and uncles who aren't blood family, but I mean, they may, they may as well be, right? But I, I think, you know, that's one level to it. But then also allowing those who even just make it, who even make any, whether it's, you know, small or large, you know, they they may stay for the time being, or they may stay forever. I think it's it's really really meaningful to be able to think of a village as any and every person who's been able to step into your life and change it or shape it in some way. I mean, obviously, I know like with with parameters, right? You know, I guess we, we don't necessarily want to have to consider every single person we ever meet, but I mean, I think it's I think those those impacts can be super important mm-hmm. at least at least in consideration to like what it means to or even maybe in, in the sense of how you want your village to look, you know, like, like sometimes you can even think about, okay, well maybe this experience wasn't 10 out of 10, or maybe I kind of wish it would have gone like this. That's, that's, that's a piece to your village. And then now you can kind of be like, okay, well, but now I understand, you know, what, what like maybe the, the ups and downs can look like, or, you know, or what, the, what, what I really want my circles, my community to, to to give out and what I wanted to give kind of thing. I, I think I think it's it's all important about how we take initiative. Yeah, I definitely think like how we have immediate family and extended family. We have our immediate village and then extended village. Like that's what I hope to create like a global village. Wouldn't that be so nice? Like wow. <laughs> everybody learn from everybody. That would be so nice. Yo, I'd be forgetting stuff. It was in my head and then <laughs> Hold on a second. Oh, I know. Okay. I was going to ask, can y'all share like a time, like a funny moment in your village? Like it doesn't have to have taught you something, but just like something funny that happened to you. Like, I feel like this conversation is so serious. I want to laugh. <laughs> Are you asking for like a funny moment that involved our village? Is that what you're saying? Well, yes. Or just a funny moment from your life, because technically your life is your village in the sense of the word. Uh <laughs> Okay, I think I can I can kick us off. So I remember as a kid, 
I was convinced that I was Dora and you couldn't tell me no different. Like there was days I would wake up and I'd be like, and today I'm Dora. And it got to a point that sometimes like, let's say, I don't know, let's say we went to church and I'm walking around and people are like, oh, Crystal. And it was like, they were talking to themselves. And my mom would like, <laughs> let out these heavy sighs and be like, she's Dora today. And then they'd be like, Dora. And I'd respond. And oh. so <laughs> it got to a point where I started to tell my mom that she was Boots. And she was like, why do you keep saying that I'm Boots? And I was like, because I'm Dora. And she was like, what does that have to do with me? And I'm like, well, Boots is the monkey that follows Dora around and you're always following me around. So you're my Boots. <laughs> and she was oh, like, <laughs> my mom said she was she was a little conflicted, though, because she was like, in one hand, it was cute. In the other hand, it was like, this little girl just told me that I'd be following follow her around. <laughs> and she don't understand. I'm the mom. <laughs> so <laughs> she went on a trip one time. Um, and she came back with a Build-A-Bear and it was a monkey Build-A-Bear and she was like, this is Boots. I am your mother. <laughs> so you can have <laughs> this Build-A-Bear follow you around and call them Boots, but I am your mother. I don't follow you around. I bring you along. And I was like, whatever <laughs> helps you sleep at night, but Hello. thank you for my Boots. So yeah. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> Hello, not you, Dora. I'm gonna start calling you that now. Right. <laughs> I was. I had all the Dora stuff, like the dolls, the plushies, the pillowcases, the sheets, the socks, the shirts, anything you could think with Dora on it. I had it for I was Dora. Like I should have myself, obviously. Period. <laughs> okay, so I feel like the. It was, it was, oh my gosh, there's, there's one word that I, I, I'm thinking of like when, I, when I was a little bit younger, but I feel like it's kind of just like a fun, like just like a memory that that, that, that just kind of popped out of me, but you, you, might, you might have to come back to me. You might have to come back to me because <laughs> I, 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 I can think about it in my head, <laughs> but like, Ella, the way you're laughing, I feel like I should know. <laughs> It's not, it's not really a, it's not really a story so so much okay, okay. so, I, I, so I, i'll go on and so it's it's just it's just super super short but it's a, on the you know my, my, i think my, my mom and i've lived on the east coast um for a large part of my life right so we, we moved here we, we moved to, to georgia we had family there and so you know one of our, our one of the other um family members we had was my mom's my, mom, my mom's sister you know she was also raising kids in georgia and so the 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 story that i can think about there was like one time where i think we had even like barbecuing or something and i remember like not being hungry at the time i think we, we, my mom and i might, we might have eaten right before i got in there you know then my mom was offering me she was offering me like cat dog or something and i was like i wasn't i wasn't really hungry and i remember i remember so, you know I was, I was like you know i think i'm good i'm good I remember my mom was like, you know, nam the damn hot dog. I was like, I, I, I really didn't want it. I really didn't want it. I was like, I wasn't hungry, but like, like that, that, that memory of her saying, like, if you don't, if you don't nam the hot dog, has been in my mind like for years. <laughs> I swear. I promise you, like, I eat a lot. I eat a lot. I wasn't hungry, you know? But like, I, I literally had that, that memory for like so long. Oh, that's so cute. 
Oh my goodness. That just reminded me of a story of like, I told this story for like a presentation on Father's Day, like in elementary school. Um, I think we had to write like a poem or something. I don't know. But my dad had came home from working and my dad's like very just out there, just amazing. Um, and so he came home and he like opened the door and he was like rapping or something. And he was like dancing in the doorway and then his pants fell down. And, <laughs> and then I just told my whole entire class that that wasn't my story, but that's what that reminded me of. And I just thought that was so cute. Like there's just certain moments of your parents that you like will always be ingrained in your head. And yes. Okay. What was my story? I, I didn't I have that was that's the why story. I to go first. No, <laughs> no, that wasn't the story, but that reminded me of that. So I wanted to share it because it was on my head. Um, oh, okay. This was my story. So, you know, Growing up, I guess you could say I lived a sheltered life or I just wasn't aware of a lot of things. And one day my aunt was over our house and she was like, oh, what, what do y'all have to eat? I was like, I don't know. And we had recently had like a rotisserie chicken. And she was like, oh, y'all have chicken. And so she started taking out the ingredients of uh, mayo, mustard, relish, probably some other thing that I forgot about in the chicken and then she started shredding up the chicken and then you know she's putting it all together and she's mixing it up and I'm like oh my gosh this is tuna and she's like what are you talking about I was like this is tuna because in my head like in our household we just called tuna salad tuna so I didn't know that there was a difference between the two and I was like, oh my gosh, it's this tuna, but with chicken. And then so like the next day I go to school and I tell my friends I had uh, tuna in the chicken form. And they're like, Jada, what are you talking about? And then I explained the whole story to them. And so now that's like a phrase, like tuna in the chicken form, because I didn't understand salad didn't have lettuce in it because salad has lettuce in it by definition. And from my understanding, like... Fruit salad didn't even exist. I know the Wiggles thing about it, but it didn't like comprehend that you just mix stuff together and that was a salad. I still don't think that's true. Um, but okay, <laughs> that's my story. Yes. Tuna in the chicken form is really sending me. All right, all right. You know what? I love, I love the description. <laughs> no, because... I know like tuna is also a fish, but we literally didn't say, we just said, do you want some tuna? And that meant the concoction of the mayo and stuff on the cracker. You know, I can't judge nobody for abbreviating phrases because I be telling everyone back home, if I say I want Cheetos, that means I want chips. So like, if I say like, bring me a Cheeto, I, I expect you to say which one. So I could be like, oh, Doritos, oh, Lay's or whatever I want. But like Cheeto does not mean a literal bag of Cheetos, nor does How is Cheetos an abbreviation for chips? <laughs> because if I say I want a Cheeto, it means I want a bag of chips. That's what it means. Like Okay, it, so she it, said it's a no blanket explanation. Statement. <laughs> it's just a blanket statement. Like, if someone says I want a Cheeto, it means they want some chips. If someone says they want conflicts, that means they want cereal. And you still have to ask, okay. which one are you talking about? Even though I've learned in America, 
if you say that people think you're talking about you know if i said conflicts they will bring me conflicts and it's like no that's not what i wanted yes. that's the specific ones right yeah did, did y'all have like i just i'm just curious why cheetahs you know that's a great question that i've never gotten the answer to i feel like it may just be because cheetos are super like i don't want to say popular but mm-hmm. you know as a kid i feel like that's what people eat the most like you get a bag of cheetos so it just became a uh, phrase of like i want some cheeto then it was like oh which one it's like oh actually i want some lays and it's like why didn't you just say that to start but you know <laughs> that's, the that's question. how the conversation goes <laughs> lol no like y'all know the assortment bag of chips yeah in the house like the cheetos are the ones that are always left because no one wants them really i feel like it's always like the sour cream or the ruffles or like the random one that's in there (laughs) no sour cream great ruffles great it's either like cheetos or the the fritos the fritos can stay the Fritos no, can yeah. stay in the box. <laughs> yeah. Like, Cheetos get eaten if, like, there's nothing else that you're just really craving some, like, crunch or That's something. crazy, because I will kill a bag of Cheetos real swift, but if okay. I see I'm someone save finish, my Cheetos for you. <laughs> if I see somebody finish a bag of Fritos of their own volition, I'm like, so something's wrong with your taste buds, because you had all these choices, and you and chose you should- that. Oh no. Um, no, Fritos be smelling like feet. Okay. No, I knew you were gonna say that too. Yeah, it's no, the they do. It's accurate. Like the smell has been the same since my childhood. They've been consistent. Yeah, yes, no, that's beautiful. Okay, on that happy note, <laughs> we're gonna close the episode down. So I would like to open the floor to the guests. If you would like to leave any parting words. You know, share your social media handles, the things you do that you want people to know about. <laughs> Please do so. Uh, I will say make sure that you're pouring into your village the same way that people have poured into you. I think that's super important. And that's how we keep it going, especially, you know, for me as a person as color, specifically as a black woman, I think that pouring into my village for other you know black little girls in my life is super important as well as you know black young men that are coming up I think it's super important so yeah and I make travel TikToks so you can find me at stx.cryS and then if you really want to find me you can find me on Instagram uh, we'll see if you can make it into the Instagram but the TikTok is open to the public <laughs> and <laughs> She said <laughs> you do. Uh stay tuned. I might be back on Millie's channel someday to broadcast of course about There's no my about docuseries. That. Well, if the docuseries comes to be, we might be here again to talk about that. But yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> You're the only other guest. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but yeah, so, so I think that the, the thing that I would love to leave off with is um, for you know, all of anyone listening, do not be afraid that building your village or finding your community won't, like that, that, that it won't happen. It'll, you know, especially if you're having to restart, it'll take time, but 
I think just allow yourself to be able to go, you know, go through those moments of, of learning what you like. And then obviously you can also, you can use your passions and your hobbies to build your village outward if you're having to restart. But, you know, do, I was always going to say the moments we have where we feel like we're the most scared of having to rebuild or, or make those new connections to create a village or create a community. That's some of the, that's some of the best times that we learn about ourselves, and that always ends up how we find it, how we end up finding other people who who really can create what we're looking for as well. So I just want to leave that out there to anyone who might be in a new stage of life, transitioning. Um, it's really really important to give yourself that space and time because it, it all it it'll always happen. But as far as being able to find me, usually I, I'm just on Instagram. I do have I do have a TikTok that's mostly just for my own scrolling. Uh, so, but uh, usually on anything, you can just find me at Malik the Man. It's M, it's M as a Mary, A A L I K, the Man. Period. All right. Thank y'all so much for coming. You know what? And you can find Creating a Village on Instagram at C A V underscore village. Yes. Boom. And we're also on Twitter and TikTok, but I have not touched those yet. So you can follow if you would like. That would be nice. Sure. Okay. Now, I, they, should, you should follow. No, if you go hit the follow button. And tell your Do friends. Oh, yes. Listen to him. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Tell your friends. Share this with your friends so that they can expand their village and, you know, learn something, feel something. Something. Yes. Okay. So thank you all for joining us. Remember that in this, bless you. Did you sneeze? Sorry. Remember, in this vast village we call life, we're all connected. Until we meet again, keep embracing the power of community, sharing your stories, and uplifting one another. Stay curious, stay compassionate, and keep creating a village wherever you go. Thank you, and see you next time. Bye! Yay! That was great. Y'all are awesome.